Welcome to another episode of the Decent Rowing Podcast. I'm Lachlan Davey. I'm here with my dad, Ken Davey, and together we have Decent Rowing. Today we're going to be talking about coxing, and this is uh, this podcast is an extension of our website that we have, de- decentrowing.com, and if you want to go and find out a bit more about what we do and uh, see a bit more instructional videos and things like that, different content that we make, um, please head over to the website and have a look. So when we're thinking about coxing, I guess, you know, I guess the first thing that jumps to mind is what do you see the role of a coxswain being, Ken, with, um, with rowing? Well, the, fundamentally, I think that a coxswain is one of the most important people in the boat, uh, in, particularly in an eight, for example, where they can really see what's going on. But, of course, a vital role is to be able to steer the boat in a way that's going to ensure that you don't uh, run into someone else's lane, run into another boat, uh, cause damage. So it's very important to be able to uh, do the fundamental of steering the boat and making sure we get a good race. But that's almost a given. And the most important role that I see for a coxswain is the ability to essentially be the coach in the boat and to uh, improve the performance of the crew by making sure the technique's right, uh, the motivation's right, uh, they don't do too much too soon, too much too late. So I think the role of a coxswain is is very, very important. And the boats I've coached over the years, particularly in, in eights, and there's one particular head of the river race that we won that that I think the coxswain won the race. Uh, I think they're the, the, we wouldn't have won the race without the efforts of the coxswain because they're just so good at what they do. So it's a pretty important role. And also I think that coxswains that... I've worked with over the years, all of them have a lot of fun. So it's not uh, a last job in the boat or anything like that. It's a critical part of the crew, and I think we need to make sure we treat the coxswain as a critical part of the, tr- of the crew. Yeah, there's almost this um, this vibe around rowing clubs where coxswains, they don't want to cox, they want to row. Um, I guess maybe the coxswains see the rowers as the the heroes of the sport as opposed to themselves as the coxswain. But, um, you know, having been a rower and always being too big to be a coxswain, um, I was always quite jealous of coxswains because they just get to have such a large impact on the boat. Um, you know, I guess they're the only person facing facing the right way, so to speak, and really get to appreciate the, the speed that the rowers don't necessarily do. And um, yeah, back to what you're saying about you know, steering sort of being a given with with coxing. I think um, I think it's underestimated by a lot of coxes how how important it is to get those fundamentals right. So to be proficient in steering, be able to steer a boat in a straight line, um, only make small adjustments to the rudder, um, things like that, and obviously avoid um, you know precarious situations. Uh, navigate the boat safely through wherever you're traveling and um yeah i think it's really important if you're a cox to to focus on that um to become excellent at that because it really builds confidence for the crew if the crew doesn't have confidence in the basic proficiency of say say steering or um, navigating around channel markers things like that it's very hard for them to focus on rowing the boat because they're constantly worried about running into something or um, if you're racing they're worried about clashing oars with the the crew that's you've come into the lane of if they're not steering the boat properly so yeah i think also you'll find that uh, if the coxswain does a good job on the steering and 
does the right thing there in, in getting people onto the water and off the water in a proficient, professional sort of a manner, then they've automatically got a bit of base respect from the crew. And it's really important that the crew respect fully what the coxswain's doing. Uh, that way, when the coxswain ask them to do something during a race or change their technique then they are more predisposed to doing exactly what they've been asked to do and you get better outcomes so critical that those basic skills are uh, well learnt and well executed in order to maintain that respect uh, it's not that difficult to learn those particular tasks it's just that you always need to know as a coxswain that, that that's critical it's not really the most important part of the job, but it's a critical part of the job. And so make sure that it's, it's not neglected. On the other side too, uh, Lachlan and I were talking earlier and he mentioned occasions he's been out with a coxswain in a boat and the, and the steering wasn't any good. And so the coxswain didn't really fully understand. They thought their job was to motivate the crew and get them to do well in the race. But if you don't have the steering right, then... Uh, what respect do you have for what the coxswain says? Is that a fair statement, Lachlan, from your perspective? Oh, well, you, you respect what they say, obviously, but, you know, if they're trying to motivate you to move up on a crew or move through a crew and you can see that we're just slowly drifting over into another lane and, for example, you're, um, <laughs> you get a pretty good view of it from the stroke or seven seat of what the cox is actually doing. So say they're just looking at another crew um, motivating you, you know, calling out the race, that's that's fine. But, you know, they forget about their steering and all of a sudden you're crossing lanes, you're hitting boys. Um, it's not a – yeah, it's not ideal. Um, so, yeah, I, you said that, you know, the steering isn't the most important thing that a cox can do. I, I think it I think it is. I think it really is um, the most important thing. And if you don't have that, then you don't have a, a good – a good performance as a coxswain. If you can't steer the boat well, then then that's that's not a good performance right off off the bat. So yeah, they can do more advanced things. It's kind of like rowing, I guess. You need to get the basic stroke cycle down before you can focus on, you know, advanced things, getting the catch in quickly and picking up the the leg drive quickly and things like that. You need to be proficient at putting the blade in the water. Um, it's no different from a coxswain. They need to be proficient at making the right calls, telling the crew when to row, when to stop rowing, uh, steering, avoiding obstacles, things like that. That's before you you utilise them as a coach. You really need to be right on top of that as a, as a base level of skills. And, and so what does a, a, a coxswain's role? It really starts before the race. It's, it starts in the shed before the boat's even on the water. So there's a few things we want to run through in relation to what a coxswain does, putting the boat, assisting with getting the boat onto the water, getting the gear in the right place, getting it off the water, and what sort of equipment that a coxswain should take with them and, and how they bring that, all that together. And then a bit later on we'll talk about the the coach aspects of being a coxswain and the motivational side uh, because that's that's an important part of the job as well so from your perspective Lachlan when you're out with a crew with a coxswain at a senior level uh, where does the coxswain's role start when you're getting ready to go on the water well I I guess um, you know aside from learning whatever briefing the coach is given and you know maybe specific instructions which you might talk about in a minute um it's obviously when you put the hands on the boat for me, like the coxswain should be at, 
you know, either the bow or the stern end, whichever that way they've got a good view of where the boat's going, um, the crew should be ready to respond to the coxswain, you know, looking for potential collisions. Like they're, they're already starting their safety role before they, they hit the water. So they're probably at the bow. You know, typically when you're carrying a, a crew boat down, there's no rowers holding the boat at the bow or the stern. Um, and so it can be somewhat difficult sometimes when you're navigating tight spots to be able to, um, successfully get through without crashing the boat into something so that's where the cox's role starts and i think they're always always should be seen as like the custodians of the crew uh, caretakers keeping an eye on what's going on looking for potential um, collisions threats things like that and um, yeah basically keeping an eye out uh, on the way down to the ways and once they've got the boat in the water and the crew get in, then uh, the critical step back on that steering game is understanding when you should steer. Now, uh, it's very easy to think that in order to steer, you just turn the rudder um, using the toggles uh, until the boat goes in the right place. But because the oars are out of the water a lot uh, in a rowing, when you're rowing, they're out of the water more than they're uh, in the water sometimes, uh, then it's very important that you don't upset the balance of the boat with your steering. And so it is quite easy to upset the balance of a boat by steering too aggressively at the wrong part of the stroke. So uh, you've been in boats, Lachlan, where the coxswain's had the rudder hard tilt and you're coming down the slide and the boat drops the other way. Have you experienced that sort of effort? Even at higher levels too, I think it's something that I guess maybe isn't taught that well uh, to coxswains when they're they're learning how to steer a boat. Um, the the rudders on boats are typically even the eights. They've got a small rudder, but they're further down the boat than say a quad or something like that usually, and so they're really designed to be able to turn around very sharp corners, like you know, relatively speaking. So typically, most of the steering that a cox is going to do uh, is going to be very small adjustments with the hands to, to steer that boat. And when you turn, when you put the steering on, it has a big effect on uh, what happens to the boat. So you're all, if you're a coxswain, you always want to start steering or make a steering adjustment when the oars are all in the water because that's when the boat's effectively stable. The rollers have got the power on, the boat's set up. Whereas if you start turning when they're coming down the slide, all the oars are off the water, there's no real balance and it's often quite hard to balance a boat at the best of times but if you put some put some steering um, turn on you'll find out pretty quickly that it'll, it'll drop to one side and it's um it's very frustrating as a crew especially if you're trying to develop rhythm um you know things like that it's uh, it can be really upsetting so you know one do small movements and if you're going to do any steering at all make sure you do it when the blades are in the water um, so you don't have an impact on that balance on the way down the recovery and cause the boat to flop over from side to side. Yeah, it's really important as side of that too that you need to be able to predict what's going to happen. So uh, you want to understand where you need to make the changes. Uh, if, for example, you're coming up on an obstacle, then don't leave it to the last minute to try and change the angle of the boat because an eight in particular is a very long boat and it takes a while for it to turn, especially if you're doing it gently, as Lachlan says, with small movements of the rudder 
whilst the oars in the water. So you want to make sure that when the oars are finishing the stroke and about to come out of the water that you've stopped steering at that point if you possibly can and you only start steering again when the oars are back in the water again. So it does take a little bit of skill and technique and a lot of predictive ability to know where the boat's going. The other thing that happens when you're steering an eight is that you've got this blind spot and uh, and please never forget it because uh, if you don't because you can't see directly in front of the boat you have to look out of the boat a little bit each side so you have to move your head you don't really want to lean your body out of the boat because that upsets the balance again same deal when you're leaning out of the boat to see where you're going then you want to do it when the oars are in the water not out of the water because of that same balance issue we talked about so it's just little habits to get get used to i remember i was out with an eight one time and they were doing a racing piece and they were heading directly for a pylon and we managed to stop just in time, but only with a lot of screaming. But what it was is that the coxswain, the pylon that was in front, was a very short pylon because the top had fallen off. And you couldn't actually see it from the coxswain seat. You had to lean out of the boat a bit uh, to see that pylon. And so there's been some massive disasters over the years where people have ploughed an eight at full tilt into a post. And so you've got to make sure that you, if you're in the stern coxed uh, boat like an eight then you need to look out of the boat a little bit just tilt your head out uh, if you have to lean as i say do it when the oars are in the water and just make sure you keep a good field of view in front and predict obstacles that are going to get in the way before you actually get upon them and do those small movements so it's steering in a boat like that it's it's you've got to be aware all the time of what's going on around you and any other boats that you can see all those things need to be taken into account yeah, and it's a it's a very cautious approach that you need to be adopting. So, yeah, sometimes I, you know we we row on rivers that uh, sometimes flood a little bit. You know, there's still a you can still row on them, but often you'll get a whole heap of debris coming down the river, like um, you know sticks, logs, uh, all sorts of things, and it can be very difficult to predict where they're going to be. They're not like pylons that are just going to be in the same spot every time, and so yeah, it's it's very important to master the skill of looking out of the boat so tilting your head out the side having a look to see what's what's ahead um uh, and obviously it's going to be easier to do that towards the finish of the stroke when the stroke person is further away from you if it's a sterncox boat if it's a bowcox boat you've got a perfect view so you don't have to worry um but yeah it's it's really important to be proactive as a coxswain and if you don't know that there's nothing in front of you then there's the potential for a collision. And, uh, yeah, as Ken was saying, with the, with the steering, try and plan your corners. Try and plan where you're going to put the boat in the future so you can do small adjustments to get it to, to that point and, um, you know, try and spot out obstacles or potential threats uh, long in advance to, to make it so it's as minimal disruption to the crew when you get to that point. The uh, If we move on to the... Uh more interesting roles, I suppose, but they're uh, important, is how a coxswain is really like the coach in a boat. If you're in a racing situation, then you'll find that it's the, the coach can't talk to the crew, but the coxswain can. So it's very important if you can organise it to make sure the coxswains really fully understand the coaching technique, what the way that different crew members behave, the particular issues they might have. So if you're coaching an eight, for example, I think that it's very important to have a very close communication relationship between the the coxswain and the coach. 
the best way I find to do this is to uh, have the coxswain make most of the instructions to the crew. And so if, for example, the two persons skying their blade, and then what I always used to do is I'd have the coxswain with a two-way radio and I would have the other end of it. And uh, I would ask the coxswain to tell the two-person to stop skying their blade. What this does, a couple of things. The first thing it does, it, it educates the coxswain because uh, instead of just repeating what you say, then the answer the way I would do it is I'd say, you can see that the two-man's skying his blade and then can you get them to stop doing that? and tell them what sort of things they can do to stop skying the blade. It may be that the, the athletes are not controlling the level of their oars well enough on the way forward with their hands or their shoulders and ask the coxswain to make the change. You'll find that this way you get uh, the coxswain automatically understands better. The athletes in the boat get very used to the coxswain instructing them on technique aspects. And so when you're in a a tense race situation where people don't have a lot of time to think about it, then if the coxswain says to do something, then they're more likely to to do the right thing. The only thing I'd be careful about in that regard is that if it's something that you're asking the coxswain to fix, but the coxswain wouldn't be able to determine what you can see from the coach's boat, then uh, it's a bit difficult to ask them to ask the crew to believe that the coxswain actually saw what you saw. And so it's important to make sure that they understand the difference. Having said that, a coxswain can see almost anything from what the oars are doing in the water. It's amazing what they can see from that aspect. So, Lachlan, if you had, you'd had coxswains in the past that know their stuff and you would have had a number of coxswains that don't, uh, is it easy to tell the difference from your perspective? Yeah, so I think, um, I think the most effective coxswains that I've had, um, when they make a call, something happens. Um, yeah, the, the, the risk, I mean, you can get some effects with, you know, say a hard 10, something like that, and like even, even counting it out. If, if the, um, if the rowers respond well to that, uh, it might be something that you've been working on in training. Um, for example, a, a common one is like, um, quick catches or, um, power with the legs at just after you place the blade in the water. And if, um, if as a rower, you can feel an immediate change, um, so basically everyone in the crew's processed the command from the coxswain and it's been translated into an effect on the boat. There's nothing better for morale because you know the boat's going faster, you know the rest of your crew's going with you, um, and it can be yeah, it can be as simple as uh, the coxswain being able to convince the rowers to do something and then them doing it, and that's that's probably as good as it gets when it comes to, to racing. It doesn't necessarily matter what the call is, as long as you've practiced it, uh, you know it works. Um, you know, maybe through a series of races throughout a season, you can have like a debrief and you know plan out some things, talk about what worked. That's often pretty useful. Say, oh, when they came up to us, we made this call and that worked, and we tried this other call and it didn't work. So, you know, keep a note of that next time when you go out during the race, you try and keep all the good calls. Maybe try a couple of extra ones that you've discussed with the crew or the or the coach beforehand, and um, yeah, really sort of hone hone that skill. Um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be you know new, different, interesting. Uh, it just has to be something that the crew can get together around and create an effect that's positive. Um, it's it sounds kind of simple, but it's if you don't have that connection between the coach, 
um, and the crew and the coxswain, like all working together, speaking the same message and getting the results when those calls are made, uh, that's where you'll start to have issues with motivation and people saying they had bad races, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. I think it's a really important aspect. And the as far as what a coxswain can see uh, in a race, uh, if they look at the oars or even just out normal training, uh, you can see almost anything from what the oars doing. Uh, if the blade is going at the catch, it probably means that the the athletes either dropping their hands or dropping their shoulders at, at the catch. Uh, if the uh, if the button's being pulled away from the gate, it probably means that they're leaning away from the rigger at the finish. Uh, if the handle height, if the blade height off the water is different from others, well, that's really straightforward it's it's usually just the height of their hands coming down towards a catch uh, if you see their blade go into the water and it it goes in and moves towards the stern aggressively at the same time that means they're applying the leg drive before they're connected with the water if the blade goes into the water slowly then you can tell that they're not getting well enough connected in that first part so you can see an awful lot so a coxswain in a stern cox boat like an eight they can see an enormous amount. And so what I strongly suggest you do as a coxswain and a coach and a crew is to make sure that the coxswain understands what the remedial, how to correct those particular issues in the boat so that then they can correct them. Very important. If you're in a race situation, then another thing that happens frequently that I see, particularly in the in the younger age groups, is that the focus of the coxswains in the race is to is to just do hard, go hard, and pick a time, and then then try harder at that time. Have a hard ten, for example. It's really important from my perspective to make sure that the technique's right before you do the hard ten. So if you're a coxswain in a boat, then before you do the hard ten and the strokes before that, maybe the three strokes before that or a few more, is to make sure the technique's right. The catches are in, uh, everyone's well connected, uh, there's no rushing down the slide, all those sorts of things, and get that bit fixed first and then do the hard ten. Because you'll find that if you do a hard ten and the technique's poor, then you're going to get a much poorer result than if you get the technique right first before you do the push. The other thing that I find in racing as well is that uh, if you're in a stern cox boat particularly, but any boat really with a coxswain, is uh, depending on where you are in the race, it's sometimes a good thing not to tell the other crews what you're about to do. And so you want to practice that with the crew beforehand so that you don't say, we're going to do a push in three strokes, one, two, three, go. Then all of a sudden everyone else in the race knows exactly what you're going to do. And so you don't you lose that element of surprise. And so I'd suggest try and use other words or other techniques to make sure that you, you when the push is coming that your crew know about it and no one else does. So have you experienced that sort of effort in a race, Lachlan? particularly in the, if you go back into school times? I mean, even it, even uh, you can hear, like when you're racing next to a crew in an eight, you can hear exactly what their cox is saying. Like the cox boxes are up so loud typically that you can hear exactly what that, that cox is saying to that crew. And so, so you have a really good feel of, uh, of what's going on in the race. And if you've got like a little bit of momentum going your way and, um, and, uh, for example, your cock says, you know, it's, we're going, going well or we're, we're starting to move away from them, you know, can, you know, keep, let's go turn the legs and, you know, really move away or something like that. You'll hear other crews 
respond. Like they're like, are they getting away from us? Or, you know, we, we're going to go for our 10 now or something like that. And, and you, you really just, uh, you know what they're doing. So being responsive as a coxswain, uh, to other, <laughs> other boats calls, especially if you're in like a, you know, tip, tip, the, the races I'm thinking of are like when you're racing a crew, which is your, your nemesis, if you like, you, you know, it's going to be close, uh, all season. And sometimes I'll win, sometimes you'll win or you want to win every time. And, uh, you know, they say, oh, they're going now. We're going to go with them. Something like that. Your cock says. And it's a good motivation to, to do that. Yeah. And it can, and it can work really well if you, um, yeah. So, so yeah. And you can sort of, there's nothing better than hearing a crew sort of come to pieces a bit uh, when you're catching up to them or uh, you're, you're starting to row near them and they have a few bad strokes and maybe someone in the other crew yells out, come on, let's get it together or, you know, something, something equally uh, enticing like that. Uh, it really, you know, if you can, if you as a cox can um, sort of harness that. Uh, it really makes believers out of your crew and you can, you know, increase your speed and hopefully move away from them. No, definitely. And a, a, a couple of tricks that you can use too is that you can have a code word for a, a sequence, a play sequence, if you like, if I put it in sort of football terms. And so you may find that, that if you said a particular word, if, if your crew know exactly what you said and what it means, but the other crews don't have a clue what it means, then you'll find you can actually get the jump on people because they don't understand it. Uh, I remember many years ago uh, when we were uh, racing eights in, in the Australian Youth Cup thing, uh, Siona Wilson was in the crew and, uh, and we had to invent a name for what we're doing for this particular push that we were doing. And, and so she said, let's call it fish. And so we called it fish. And so what would happen is that we'd get down the race in a particular point in time when it was important to have a, a really good solid push and all our coxswain would do was yell out fish which of course means nothing pretty much in rowing but everyone in the crew knew that that meant that on the next after that next after that stroke on the next stroke we did a push for 12 strokes at maximum and you can get a jump on a crew really quickly because you haven't told them what you're going to do you just do it and the crew just get on with their business and do it without any other encouragement and and you find that you you could gain a length on a crew if you did it effectively mind you you can't do too many of those in a race but it's really about making sure that you listen carefully to what the other crews are doing and use that information and in your own crew try to give away as little as possible uh, when you're racing uh, down a course it can make a significant difference uh, it's it's just about you and the coxswain and the crew, as Lachlan said, and the coach really understanding fully what you're doing and how you're going to go about it and why you're doing it and and have a good race plan, a uh, very effective way to go well in a race. Yeah, there's um, there's definitely lots of lots of little tricks and bits and pieces like that that you can try. But um, yeah, the real key is um, yeah, having having the the crew understand and execute whatever the cox says and have absolute trust that that's what you're going to do so the the, the idea of, of a cox is to you know in a big crew boat is the reason why they're not coxless is like they could be coxless boats you could have coxless eights if you really wanted to i mean they might be a bit unruly but they'd be faster um so the cox is 
really earning their their um, their spot in a race as long assuming they're steering straight by motivating the rowers to do something more than they could do just on their own and uh, that can make a huge difference at, at a at a, a lower level uh, at elite levels yes it has an impact but that you know they're professionals they they're very good at getting the the good performance out of themselves without a cox um, but at a lower level you can definitely uh, create some uh, magical scenarios with uh, with average crews and a good cox and, and a good relationship um, between those the cox the crew and, and the coach no doubt and just one last thing from me on the racing side of things uh, when you in a cox in, in a race says uh, if if for example they said we're taking it up in three then that's a really difficult statement because you've got to judge each person's judging individually how much they take it up. And so you want to make sure that all of the crew increase their power by the same amount at the same time. Uh, if one person, if you said we'll uh, take it up in three, which is not a term I like very much, but if you were going to take it up in three and some of the crew took it up on the first stroke and some took it up on the second and some took it up on the third, then it just feels heavy for everybody until you get there. You want to make sure that the crew increase their power the same right across the board because you want them to be applying the power at the same time with the same level of increase in power to get the best performance out of a boat. But that's really about training for it. And uh, before you're racing, make sure that you, you get everyone together, working together when you take the rating up. Yeah, and that's where the importance of like a, a good race plan comes in. Uh, people, The athletes should know exactly what they're going to be doing, um, what sort of intent they're going to have from from the start typically it's you know let's give it everything off the start uh in an eights race because um if you're fit enough you can usually make it to the end and if you miss the start in an eights race you can you can really struggle to catch it back up it's a lot easier to respond to people if you're out in front it's easier to keep morale up if you're out in front and can respond to other crews pushes uh things like that um obviously there is potential to go out too hard but uh, typically what I've found is once eights, if you go out hard in an eight and you get the boat up to speed, there's a good chance you'll be able to maintain that for a long time, um, whereas sometimes you don't get the boats up to speed. You never get into that rhythm and you never really find your easy, good speed boat run um, that that you're looking for, especially in those faster boats. And just um, when the when you get back onto the bank uh, after a, a row, a training row or a race, doesn't matter much. Uh, generally, you'd have a debrief with the coach, and the athletes uh, would have a, a debrief. It's very important that the coxswain, uh, as one of the athletes, is involved in that process to make sure that that they understand and. They can offer tremendous feedback to a coach and a crew as to what actually felt like in the boat because they, they, if they understand what they're doing, then they can really add value to a debrief, uh, tremendous value. Uh, the other thing, when they're, if a coxswain's not out on a particular session, for example, if you had an eight and they were rowing it out in two coxless fours and the, there was no role for a coxswain in the boat, then I'd strongly suggest, if you can possibly do it, have the coxswain uh, come along uh, with the coach and and essentially learn more and more about the athletes, so that then when they're out racing again, uh, or out rowing in the in the the eight with a coxswain, then they can add add even more value to the to the equation. So I think that's very important. 
last couple of little things from my perspective uh, is uh, a coxswain needs to be very well prepared for what might happen out on the water. And by that I mean mostly from a, a clothing perspective uh, and what gear they take with them. Uh, it's great to have a couple of spanners. Uh, it's really good to have those little little extras that if something does go wrong that the, you can fix it while you're out there. And so I suggest a coxswain puts together a bit of a kit to take with them. It's not very large, uh, but just a small kit and uh, so that they can fix issues as they arise and also make sure that you're warm and comfortable because you're going to perform better if you're warm and comfortable than if you're out there freezing away. Uh, last thing on my list, uh, I'm not sure if Lachlan has other items, but last thing on my list is when you get back to the shed, then as Lachlan said earlier about the coxswain, uh, assisting in making sure that the gear is well catered for and well cared for getting onto the water. The same thing applies in getting it off. Uh, the coxswain can add great value, particularly when you're in tight situations or in a boat park. It's really easy to get damage to a boat or to someone else's boat. And an extra set of eyes that's not actually hanging onto the boat is really useful when it comes to controlling those sorts of situations. So coxswain's role, I think, is one of the most important roles in the boat. Uh, and definitely not uh, to be underrated. And just a last comment from me is that most of the coxswains, no, in fact, all the coxswains that I've worked with over the over the years, they've all had a ball. It's one of those things that they really enjoy, the sense of camaraderie, the impact they can have on the team. They're part of the team. It's, uh, it's one of those jobs that I think is a bit underrated, particularly in schools in the lower age brackets where it's and in the clubs where oh we need to find a coxswain and the coxswain's not actually involved in the whole process but when they're involved in the whole process uh, it's it's as entertaining for them as it is for the for the athletes that are rowing in the boat uh, uh, coxswain they're one of the athletes and uh, and we should make sure that that they receive the same amount of attention because they can have a great impact on the performance of any boat yeah, I'd um, I'd put the coxswain up with the the stroke for importance in an eight. Um, you know, the stroke is you know typically seen as the the leader. They're usually the the person with the biggest engine and the best technique, uh, something like that <laughs> that rows on stroke side often. Um, but the coxswain also also is extraordinarily important and should be treated as such, um, especially when it comes to things like debriefing. So a lot of the times, coxswains, you know, they need to be light at competitive, in competitive um, races. So, you know, that's what's under 55 kilos. They have to be light. So so typically, pretty much every uh, cox that I've had at a senior level has, um, they've, they've mostly been young and often young, younger women as well, um, just I guess because they're the ones that sort of end up in coxing because of their size and and weight. And you have to be conscious if you haven't got someone who's got like a large personality and there's plenty of them out there, but there's also plenty of, you know, quite timid coxes that sort of need to, um, you know, be developed as uh, as leaders in the boat. And so after a race, for example, uh, if, say, the most experienced rower talks first, maybe they're a national representative, um, they'll have a lot to say. And then maybe they go, you go around the rest of the crew, and then you get to the cox, and they're like, "Yeah, no, it was good," or something like that. I'd have the cox speak first because they've got a very unique view of what the race was like. Then the stroke person, um, and then then probably down the crew, and you know talk about 
talk about the different aspects and how they saw the race. So I think it's important to um, to realize the the power uh, differential uh, between like a really experienced, strong, uh, large rower um, and and a smaller coxswain that may or may not be. Um, you know, very confident in their in the group that they've been put into just to, to cox the race. They might have a lot of potential, they might be good out on the water, but you really need to develop that. Um, in some people, you really need to develop that leadership quality and um, give them, uh, put the respect in their hands as opposed to uh, just expecting them to take it. So that's, a, yeah, probably the, the one thing I'd say about coxing in general, and that might be one of the reasons why, um, you know, rowers, Coxes typically want to become rowers is because they see it as a more important role when in reality uh, they're extraordinarily important when it comes to eights, uh, the coxed fours and things like that. They're sort of being phased out for coxless, but um, eights will, will always have coxes and they're the biggest races and they're the ones that people typically want to win the most. So it's important to um, yeah engage coxes from from pretty early on and sort of develop their skill set sets over time. Just my final word on, on coxing is that uh, one of the best races that, that I've coached and one was the head of the river race at, it was a school and uh, I've got no doubt at all that, yes, the crew won the race, but uh, they wouldn't have won it without the efforts of the coxswain in the last 250 metres and it just lifted them over the line, which is, which is what a coxswain can do. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of respect for coxswains, and they're a very valuable role in the boat. So if you want to find out a bit more about what we do, uh, we've got a website, decentrowing.com. We also have uh, videos that we put out on social media as well, but uh, we've got over 900 videos in our in our rowing library and got a whole heap of training programs and, and bits and pieces as well to, to supplement uh, your rowing, whatever level you're at. Typically, it's aimed more at beginner to intermediate, but because we're interested in it, there's lots of advanced videos there as well for people who want to learn a little bit more on their rowing journey. Um, if you're just new to the sport, would recommend our beginner uh, rowing courses. We have a you know an indoor one, so on the ergo, and an on water one, which combines a little bit of ergo and a, a little bit of water as well. So until next time, happy rowing.